hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast, podcasting about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, and wow. I cannot believe we are finally back in Studio P and not in my car recording this. <laughs> it's great to be back in Studio P. It has been three episodes in a very busy summer. Our, our engineer producer, Joe Polino, has been to Europe and back. Donde es la biblioteca, ho? Bonjour, and who are you calling a ho? <laughs> and, uh, hey, Joe, I understand that your, your music album, Inhale Slowly, that you recorded with Tim White, is also doing great. Yes, uh, we're now into our second pressing. We're being played on about... Uh, 60 or 70 stations around the world. Um, That's fantastic. Uh, there's a store in Point Reyes Station, California, that has sold 200 copies wow. of Inhale Slowly just by playing it in her store. That's bigger than the population of Point Reyes Station. Absolutely. But I am so glad to be back here in Studio P behind the mic and with me, with us, with you, as guest co-host for Epi 32 of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, is none other than a member of podcast royalty himself, Lord Phil Lairness. Well, thank you, Mark Hershon. I have my Henderson's guest co-host pants <laughs> pressed and ready to go. Beautiful. And uh, it's a thrill to be here in the home of the hit. The, this is it, the home of the hit. Uh, with the uh, writer and co-star of Wedding Days. <laughs> Thank you, yes. None other than Mark Hirsch. Oh, yes. And, and make sure that's the Hallmark Channel Wedding Days and not the Michael Ian Black-directed Wedding Days. Uh, I don't think he cares one way or another, quite frankly. Um, anyway, you uh, you listeners uh, would know Phil because I, play, uh, I played clips from his podcast, uh, uh, he has a podcast called The Chill Pack Hollywood Hour that he co-hosts with his heterosexual life partner, Dean Hagland. You have tolerated us for more than five years of <laughs> weekly podcast I have. You were the inspiration for me deciding I wanted to do a podcast, for goodness sake. And uh, in a rather interesting uh, turn of fate, I've recur re uh, referred to you guys as podcast royalty. And uh, now through the auspices of a guy named um, Eric Furness of uh, the Foon podcast, which is, stands for From Out of Nowhere, he's begun referring to me on Twitter as the Podfather. Oh, very nice. See, because <laughs> that, because Podfather is actually a name that we got from some of our listeners. Oh, funny. Who know that I'm uh, a, a huge fan of the Modfather, Paul Weller. <laughs> so that's why uh, we were getting that. But I yield that title to you, after all. <laughs> you know, podcast royalty... Uh, among other things, it entitles me to free coffee at every airport lounge. <laughs> I didn't know it came it's with true. perks. That's, it does. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm so glad you were up in uh, the Bay Area for this. So we've been talking about doing this, and it's it's sometimes hard to do. And I don't always like doing the uh, the interviews by remote are fine, but trying to co-host a show is impossible. So no, I, I, it, it, it's the difference between doing an interview. And the, the magic, magic of, of podcasting. podcasting. This yes. is what they mean when they say the, the magic, magic of, of podcasting. I think it is. I think it is. And uh, I think, uh, you know, not not to denigrate you and, and Dean's show, but when I was on your show, we were in Dean's kitchen, as I recall. And, uh, I'm sure it was a very nice kitchen. It was a very nice kitchen. It was very nice. Well appointed. Yes. 
Yes, definitely. And there was plenty of room at the island for all three of us to sit around comfortably. Oh, I thought you were about to reveal the fact that you were in the kitchen. We were elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we put the bag on your head, you and you ended up in a kitchen that, somewhere. Yes, it's uh, it's a little bit, I must say, disappointing uh, for people <laughs> when they have listened to the show and then actually get to come on to the show. We don't always do it in the same location. Uh, but one thing is is usually true we rarely look at each other and we're often doing other work well, at that's the time what, when yeah, we're for, recording for, for those listeners of chill pack hollywood hour who thinks they think their microphones may be malfunctioning from time to time no they're just wandering off during the show when they think the other person is taking up the slack so it's uh, it's uh, rather interesting in in our film uh, the truth is out there there's a bonus uh, feature on one of the discs and it uh, it shows something that happened the day when we finished shooting the movie. We'd been traveling around oh, for a yes. year shooting, and as soon as we finished, Dean suggested let's let's go to the Lyceum Pub, which is nearby. And so we started drinking, and then <laughs> really right. started drinking, and then really kept drinking <laughs> a lot more. And at some point, he said it would be a good idea to turn on the camera and to record this. So I put the camera up above and recorded it. And some of the clips have the audio clips have made its way into Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. But there's this fantastic moment where he asks me to tell him a story, a specific story that he wants to hear. And as soon as I start it, he gets up. <laughs> Grabs our empty glasses and walks away to go to the bar. <laughs> We're in a private booth in another part of the pub altogether. And I and I look around and it takes me a moment because I'm so drunk. And I call out after him, wait, aren't I telling you a story? And you hear this little voice from really far away. Oh, I can hear you. <laughs> I can hear you. He thinks we're doing a podcast. Of course, not on camera. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, just a couple of bits of business before we start getting to uh, our clips. I want to thank those of uh, you listeners who have been kind enough to rate and review Succotash up on iTunes. Uh, it really helps. Uh, we've made the new and noteworthy several times now on iTunes, so that helps our visibility. Also, you can give us a thumbs up on Stitcher Smart Radio if you've a mind to. Also, please like our Succotash Show page on Facebook, and do not be afraid to follow us at Succotash Show on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, read my blather over on Splitsider.com. This week, I'm going to be reviewing the Thrilling Adventure Hour number 83 over there. Uh, that's uh, the episode with Cactoid Jim, King of the Martian Frontier, with guest stars Nathan Fillion and Adam Baldwin, reunited from their Firefly days. Uh, that's on uh, their feature This Week in Comedy podcast at splitsider.com. So check that out. And uh, now let's get to the goodies. Um, I thought it would be uh, apropos to kick off our, our clips this week with a clip from the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. And um, I, I like one of the things I love about your show is you guys really kind of get into the nuts and bolts of stuff as far as what Hollywood is really about. It isn't a gossip show. It isn't just sort of, hey, here's what's going on with celebrities. You really do talk about some really interesting things that uh, that most people may not even know about, let alone get a chance to, to hear an in-depth conversation. Uh, I, I chose this clip um, just because uh, you were on the road and couldn't pick anything for me. Uh, but this is uh, you and Dean talking about uh, the comedy nominations for this year's Emmys. Let's uh, give a listen and you can tell us about that after we hear it. We hadn't had a chance really to talk about any of the the Emmy nominations, no. and who cares? I mean, we don't we don't probably watch enough or regularly enough to say, okay, this person was snubbed, this person doesn't uh, deserve it, whatever. Right. 
But I thought it would be worth it to go through a, a, for a, a few, few minutes. A few. Some of these, because I'm kind of impressed when I look at uh, the comedy nominations, especially uh, just the diversity. Yes. Um, six shows are nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series. Uh-huh. You've got uh, The Big Bang Theory. Right. From Chuck Lorre, which gets nominated almost, almost every year. year. And it's, you know, good writing. I enjoy it. And uh, they have some uh, smart is, is it good writing? I mean, everything that I've been hearing from people who used to love it is that the, it's just, it stopped being good writing well, at yes. some point. It, well, you, it's hard to keep that, uh, the maintain the, the quality. But uh, in and, terms and, of the, and some people have told me, like, it was, it seemed like kind of a smart show when it first came on. And, and you know, the, the, the line about the difference between it and Arrested Development, that Arrested Development is smart jokes about uh, dumb people. Right. And now uh, it's dumb, jokes, it's about dumb jokes about smart people. Right. They had a better, I thought it was better when the tension was uh, uh, with the penny across the hall was a little more acute. Uh, also nominated Modern Family, which yes. has been winning many awards the last Eric Stone Street, always funny. Uh, kind of uh, supplanted fellow nominee 30 Rock uh-huh. as the shoe-in every year. Every year. So you've got those three network shows. Big network shows. All of them different. Yes. Very unique. And... Then you have three uh, cable-based yes. shows, Louis all C. on HBO. Well, You've got no. Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah, uh, which does not come on every year. So, which takes is fantastic. Time. Takes great. its time and comes on when they have a whole season, I guess, yes. plotted out. Yeah, worked uh, it out. Which is really important, especially given the, I would think, given the improvisational. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That Take longer work. to really work out where you want that arc to go. Right, because he works out on paper like a page and a half plot line, but then from there, all the uh, minute, intuitive uh, character relationship stuff is is through improv. And from episode to episode, that's what I'm really impressed by. Yeah. Because think about that. Pulling off an improv episode, well, that might be tough. Right. Pulling it off week after week after week in a way that the story builds the story that, builds yes. and pays off later on with these rich character reveals and uh, it's, it's that's an extraordinary challenge i would think i think so and that's probably why it's not uh every year every year if only because it's got to be just exhausting yeah, yeah uh so curb your enthusiasm uh veep a new show oh yeah on HBO that i've talked about that you I, like that uh, one love uh, I especially, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus gets a well-deserved uh, nomination. Mm-hmm. Then again, there is an Academy law that whether she's in a show or not, she has to get nominated for Best Actress <laughs> in a Comedy Series. Am I wrong? Uh, it sort yeah, of seems I think, like that. I think maybe you're wrong. But. I was very disappointed, though, that no one from her supporting cast, especially Tony Hale, oh, who's yeah. been so good for so many years, so, so good as Buster on Arrested Development, and really, to me, is doing exceptional work on this show. It would be nice if someone like him finally got uh, a little bit of um, award consideration. So you ask. Uh, and then another new show on HBO, Girls. Oh, yeah. Which we've spoken of. The yeah. one that's kind of too effective for me to watch. It's just too <laughs> Real? cringeworthy. Yeah. Uh, Lena Dunham, who is nominated for directing, yes. for writing, uh-huh. for best actress in a comedy I series, know. and uh, for best series. Right, and the episodes I saw, you're right, I, I wasn't really laughing, per se, as like I do in a comedy. I was more cringing and going, oh yeah, and uh, taking my 
take it took me back to my college days in Vancouver. And anyone who says that this is like Sex in the City for twenty something, yeah, way mean, off. It's way off. Yeah, that is not. Uh, I mean, yeah, that might have been how it was sold to HBO. Yeah, exactly. Go, hey, we got a go, we got a money maker for let you. Let this kid write it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it did not. It's not playing like that at all. All right. So there is uh, you and your uh, partner Dean Hagland with uh, some chats about the comedy part of the upcoming Emmys. Um, anything particular about that subject that warms your heart? Nothing about comedy warms my heart. <laughs> Nothing about the industry warms my heart. However, oddly enough, analyzing the way those of us in the industry make a regular habit of self-congratulating each other uh, and our work, <laughs> that warms my heart. Or, or, or the, or the, uh, the microchip that replaced my heart. Uh, I, in listening to me, uh, kind of uh, knock Big Bang Theory. I think I should, in the spirit of full disclosure, perhaps reveal maybe a reason that that show oh. makes me uncomfortable. I wish you would. There are three now teenage boys whom it has been my honor to help uh, look after from time to time over the past uh, 10 years when their uh, single working mom has been away on business trips. And she had just returned from one of these trips and I was on duty watching the boys, and we had just finished watching an episode of Big Bang Theory, and in that episode, the subject of oral sex came up ah. uh, on the show. And so, as it will do, a subject brought up on the show was now being brought up in the room. Okay. <laughs> I, I felt very much like Glenn Ford in a film noir at that moment. <laughs> I threw a pot of coffee in Gloria Graham's face, and I said to the boys, uh, "I no, I, I, you know, I'm I host a show every week. I guest host shows such as Succotash. I can think quick on my feet." And so I said to the boys, "Oral sex is when two people who love each other." communicate openly about their needs. They're very verbal ah. with each other. They talk. The boys all looked at me blankly. They heard their mom arrive home. They immediately ran out and said, Mom, what's oral sex? And she turned bright red, just yelled out, mouth on penis, and ran away from the room. <laughs> Throwing me under the bus entirely. I think your answer was eloquent and well-stated <laughs> and uh, mouth on penis. Fantastic. Well, that, that, what more do you need? Um, I, my, <laughs> Excuse me? I meant as an explanation. Oh, um, I see. But my gripe with Big Bang Theory, I never have really watched the show, but my, uh, my cable system is always set up that when I turn TV on, Fox is on. And that show is always on. It doesn't matter what time of day I turn the TV on, Big Bang Theory is on the television. It's like, how many episodes exist of this show? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Mouth on penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from that, let's uh, let's hear some more of you and Dean. Um, this is one of the things I love about Twitter, and I communicate quite a bit uh, with you and other people on Twitter, is that I was... Um, I had retweeted a posting by Combat Radio. Now, they're, they're a show that you're fam very familiar with. Uh, I've not played a clip on this show yet, and they thanked me for retweeting them. I then said on, on Twitter, you should send me a clip, and Ethan Detmeyer, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, the host and producer of Combat Radio. I said, uh, you should send me a clip, and I'll put it on the show. And he just happened to send me a link. This was yesterday. 
to this clip we're going to hear. It's actually uh, up as a video, although there's no video with it on YouTube. It's just the audio. And it's you and Dean on their show, <laughs> apparently plotting a break-in at Area 51. I am so glad that I did make the drive from Los Angeles to be able to hear clips of me. <laughs> it, it really would have cheapened the trip if I had to come here to listen to other people's work. That's right. That's right. And in fact, all the rest of the clips are going to be done through... Uh, our special filler and S filter. So all of the people will sound exactly like you. Someday. Let's uh, give a listen to Combat Radio. Have you been to Area 51? Have you tried to break in? Yes. You know what I think we need to do? I want to get to that in a second. I think we need to do a show for the Discovery Channel where you break into these classified Ah, (laughs) Me and Jesse Ventura. Uh, Did you watch that one? He went to Hop, though. I mean, then he got his ass arrested. Yeah, I know. That was great, though. I have a lot of respect for Ventura. My good buddy Sonny Landham did Predator with him. You know, he's the Indian. He's like, we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of respect for Ventura, but there's something about him doing the show that's just too, like, over the top. Well, because our, our could get secret access. Our, our was talking well, he's talking to the gate going, is it true you got UFOs in there? <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah. yeah you know, a little uh, little uh, sugar attracts the flies. There, the there is a wonderful... I think you running for your life from security is much more entertaining than Ventura <laughs> running for his life. There, there is... Uh, yeah, uh, but Ancient Alien, John, I'm fighting hard for that degree in ancient... Uh, what is it? Ancient Alien Theory? theory Or Ancient Alien... Alien Theorist? Being, yeah, Are you going to be an Ancient, ancient alien, alien Theorist? No, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> but well, I, I have to kind of go along with it for comedic purposes. I know. We're, we're doing a documentary, actually, on Ancient Wisdom. And this is the part thing. two. Hold on, hold on. Part I got a mysterious part. Malaysian investor calling. He wants to speak to <laughs> Hill outside of the Well, I'm glad you remember that. that. He's yeah, calling yeah. from riverquai.com. Yeah. He wants to talk to you about uh, some kind of project. The anyway. Pegu Club in Burma. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Uh, yes, our mysterious Malaysian investor is uh, perhaps coming in again on our second part of our documentary series. First part being The Truth is Out There. Very good. Thank good, you. Good, good, good. The second part being Ancient Wisdom, which we will follow some of those things that they talk about in Ancient Aliens. But this is the thing that we always say is why can't, uh, why does that have to all be aliens? Why is everything so phenomenal outside the grasp of human uh, ability? I agree. Right? I agree. Because yeah, we, I mean, as humans, do some amazing things. I, they absolutely do. I do, and I and I'm one of these people. I know it's old school, but I think people built the pyramids. It could vary. I think Egyptian engineering built it, and I know there's a bunch of people going, "Whoa, the show with this guy coming out of their mom's basement, getting pissed <laughs> off." But I, I really think people. Well, were, we were they this? people or were they slaves? I mean, that's yeah. really. The... Well, can't slaves be people too? Uh, I don't know. I agree to agree to disagree. Rights. <laughs> people without rights. We, we talked about the, this before. It's like the Sumerians who invented the first form of writing, so we believe. But the, the some of the ancient cultures that have gone from the face of the planet, they understand about mathematics, like the Mayans. They understood Mayans. about uh, um, uh, astronomy. Mm-hmm. They understood about the movement of the planets. They understood a lot of stuff that we today have just lost out the way that well, we and, and there has been so much evidence uncovered in the, the ruins of these civilizations that reveal that there was, in fact, global trade long before long we ever before. thought. Long there was before. exchange of ideas long before mm. we, we right. ever exactly. thought. And it, it really is true that if you don't understand uh, the communication devices of the time, right. you really have no sense of how ideas could have been exchanged and shared. And That's uh, what they say about our age. These are technically could be the dark ages because we're putting everything down digitally. We, we don't. We email. We, we have tweet, no story tradition. We have no, no written no. tradition that'll, that'll last, you know, 10,000, 25,000 years. That our future generations are going to go. How do these people communicate? They all live together. Well, I just they... love. I love the idea that you know someone's going to come a, a, across my my BlackBerry two hundred years from now, and.
and because the battery will be dead, they will look at it and they say, oh, they spent so much time making this interesting pottery. It <laughs> right. must be their it's god. Like this god, this they plastic. Must, they they spend always all worship the, it. They always spent time on crafts. <laughs> There's a great piece of haiku, and I'm going to do it very badly, but I, I read it somewhere, and I can't tell you who wrote it, but it went, a crash turns your expensive computer simply into a stone. <laughs> you didn't do it badly at all. Bad at I all. just would a... suggest that when you are the voice of my automobile, that is uh, a good you don't begin with the words a crash. A crash. <laughs> all right. So that's uh, Combat Radio. Ethan Detmeyer, Tommy Dietrich, and Mark Ryan are the co-hosts. And uh, you can find them at combatradio.net, iTunes, and selectively, they have clips up on YouTube as well. But uh, what's the experience? You've done combat radio quite a bit. We have started to team up in some very interesting ways. We went to PopCon LA, a popular culture convention, mm. and we uh, conducted many interviews, which were streamed live over the web. Some of the highlights are up at YouTube. Videos are up at YouTube. And we'll be uh, gradually cutting into uh, some of those interviews into Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. We did a live uh, remote podcast that I think, if I get all the editing done, will be uh, coming up within the next week or so on Chill Pack Hollywood Hour of Combat Radio and Chill Pack Hollywood at Disneyland. Oh, nice. <laughs> where you, too, get to hear Dean Haglund not only celebrating his birthday, but ruining many families' vacations <laughs> as he rants about the bastion of cultural imperialism. Oh, nice. Uh, in a way that uh, ha would, would no doubt make uh, Walt Disney's frozen head turn you know, over in its cryogenic you know freeze what, for chamber. A, for a guy who just recently got his U.S. citizenship, he really should mind his P's and Q's because we can throw him back out again. I mean, that's not a guarantee of any sort. It isn't? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I always tell him, love it or leave it. Yeah. You know. Uh, no, it's so much fun. Combat Radio, we make a good team. Uh, it's a great, Combat Radio is a great show, and uh, Ethan's a fantastic host, and uh, one of the reasons he's really refreshing is that he really wants all of his guests to be good. That's great. You know, he genuine, and he'll, he'll absolutely sit back, and if somebody's on a roll, just let him take it. He just wants people on the show to know that they've done a good job. I should try that. I just, I, I just, I was, I was hinting. I just roll right over people. I, I don't know what's so going on. I could do, you know. Apparently there's a formula for success I didn't know about. Slap some Henderson's pants on me and I can <laughs> handle this show alone. Anybody can. Anybody can. Um, since you, you mentioned uh, The Truth Is Out There, your, your movie that you and Dean did, uh, you guys are working on parts two and three sort of simultaneously, aren't you? We are indeed, yes. So can you tell us just a little bit about that? Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that before uh, the show is over, but uh, just uh, for folks to kind of uh, get their, their whistles wet, so well, to speak. In in traveling around uh, making a, an epic documentary about comedy, consciousness, and conspiracy, there were a lot of stories that we could not fit into what is already a, a truly an epic running time. And two of the things that we had to save to explore at a later date uh, were one the way that so many of these conspiracies lend themselves or, or conspiracy theories lend themselves to a long view of history. Mm. Uh, we we made the the decision to focus very much on contemporary society and what's going on right now as a way to maybe 
interest people who otherwise would say, I would never watch a movie about conspiracy theories. But they might be people who are interested in what's going on in the world. So that was why we made that choice. But in part two, uh, Truth is Out There, Ancient Mysteries, we will be delving very much into the past and looking at the ways in which wisdom gets lost Hmm. uh, from culture to culture, from generation to generation, the ways it gets lost and why it might serve us that wisdom can get lost and, uh, and how maybe by exploring mysteries of the past, we can learn how to ask better questions as we move forward into uh, what appears to be a rather tumultuous future. So that's one of the uh, sequels. And then the other one is based on an idea that a, a journalist does speak of at the end of Truth is Out There, which is this idea that there really isn't so much conspiracy in the world as there is business as usual. Hmm. If you could find out the way a particular industry operates, it might be horrifying. It might uh, be vulgar. It might even seem to be amoral, inhuman, but it's not hidden. They really do let you know how they operate. And, you know, it's like one of those, uh, you know, mafia kind of lines. It's nothing personal. It's just business. <laughs> and, you you know, if you if you can't stand to find out how the sausage gets made. Stay you, out of the factory. Stay out of the factory. Well, we are going to go very deep into the factory oh, in very cool. uh, part three. Uh, Truth is out there, business as usual. And that one might actually lend itself better as a weekly series. Oh, interesting. Uh, But we're certainly shooting all this material right now. Excellent. Well, we look forward to that. Uh, Next up, we have a clip from a friend of the podcast, Mark Pitta, and uh, his uh, very sporadic podcast called After Hours. I think he's only got about seven or eight episodes out there. Um, He runs a a Tuesday night comedy show here in uh, Marin County in Mill Valley called Mark Pitta and Friends. And oftentimes his guests will be uh, a headliner that he has at that show. But right now he has an episode up that's pretty interesting. He hosted a live interview with George Carlin back in 2001 at a theater uh, here in Marin. And uh, other than the people that were at the show that night, nobody has ever heard this interview before. And so he put it out on his podcast this last week. Uh, It's a 50-minute-plus interview. We only have a few minutes of it here for you. And I would definitely uh, suggest if you're a George Carlin fan uh, or just curious about the man, uh, it's well worth uh, your listen. So let's um, listen to, uh, I guess this would be 11-year-old George Carlin Wisdoms. I think he was older than 11 when he did this. Well, don't don't, uh, assume. I know what it was. The first time I felt I'd made it. What happened was, yeah, I, uh, I asked that. the records, it always comes back. I'll it do always a, comes back. I'll do Carson here. I, somebody told me, when did you make it, George? That is, that is wild. <laughs> he that is, it, uh, yeah. Coffee? Coffee? How I did not know that. <laughs> I, uh, it's, I decided at that time that I made the break, because I got fired in Las Vegas, and that was on one of the albums, the first album. I said, I got fired for saying shit in Las Vegas, in a town where the big game is called craps. I got fired. So, and I, I, got, I got fired for saying the following thing. And I was in this nightclub with my tuxedo or suit, whatever I was wearing. And I said to them, I says, I don't say shit, by the way, folks. I don't say shit. Uh, Buddy Hackett says shit. Red Fox says shit. I don't say shit. I'll smoke a little of it, but I don't say it. And, and I was asked to leave, so I did. And... And it was the end of a contract period, and I felt, okay, they've made this decision for me now. After a couple of years of kind of turmoil, you might call it, uh, 
this decision had now been handed to me in a dramatic way. So I said to my wife, I said, Brenda, I said, if all I ever do is fill coffee houses up every weekend for the rest of my life, I'll be happy. And I, I began, I took a lot of material that was already in my file, so to speak, and I, 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 I fashioned, and I, and I wrote the thing called uh, shit is really, a shoot is just a, you know, another way of saying shit. Oh, shoot is just shit with two O's. And, and the whole thing about saying shit and getting fired and the seven words and all that. And I started doing this stuff at coffee houses. And because I was known from the other incarnation by a lot of people, and because the transition happened on television, I took two years... My hair was getting... At the time I got fired in Vegas, actually, I wasn't wearing the suit. I was, I was then wearing a nice shirt. A nice shirt with a vest, a little velvety kind of vest. And the hair got longer and the beard was there. So I was doing television, daytime television shows, uh, going through this transition in front of everyone and explaining it to such people as Della Reese, who had her own five-day-a-week five show, uh, Virginia Graham, and Steve Allen. And so the... I went to this coffee house in Philadelphia, the main, the main point, out on the, uh, out on Route 30, the the, uh, the what do you call it in Philadelphia, the the, um, the main line, the main line, the the, the society, uh, Bryn Mawr in Bryn Mawr, and uh, the main point. And I went there one night for my show, and there was a little piece, a little flyer of theirs turned over, and it was scribbled, sold out. Uh, and I had sold this place out, and without without a record, no album career yet. And then I knew, I said, oh, good, okay, all right, good. Well, this is going to work. I can fill oh, the coffee houses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was happy. So what a great moment to have recounted by George Carlin himself so when he made that transition from the straight, straight-line, tie-wearing comic to the, uh, the free-form hippie guy that he would become. It was uh, really a milestone moment. And what was fascinating to me, I mean, George Carlin uh, was a huge influence on me when I was a little boy, when I heard those, those records, uh, not just because they were so funny, but because of the way he used language mm. and the way he would play with language to get you to think about ideas and to then think about ideas in different ways. And that's when he made that transformation from the straight guy to the hippie, he really used the language to oh yes change that branding so well um, but it but it's really it it's one of the reasons I think I went into communications was because of my love of of people like George Carlin when I was a little boy my mother would buy me his records I remember uh, particularly Occupation Fool which was uh-huh. recorded at the Circle Star Theater that's right yeah. just just down the peninsula and. Uh, and it was great because I actually got a a rule when I was a little boy that any amount of vulgar language was okay and was permissible if it was a direct quote and I could give a full citation. <laughs> and my mother was encouraging my memorization skills, excellent. which would pay off. Oh, excellent. And I would only get in trouble when uh, when it wasn't a direct quote. Like one time I was working on the roof or whatever with my father and, you know, mishammered something and yet out, let out this tirade of just, you know, fuck. And, and my mom, you know, pulled me aside and said, now, Philip, I... I you know, I, I know you hurt your thumb, but you got to understand that the only people who use language like that are people who aren't clever enough, mm. descriptive enough to find another way to express themselves. And, and I thought about it and I said, fuck, 
that's deep. Now you should have said <laughs> to quote Phil Lerness. <laughs> to quote me. <laughs> but anyway, but it was. I mean, that's one of the cool. And my mom. And one last thing about my mom and how cool she was. In in you know, uh, I think I was. How old would I have been? Maybe 13 when David Letterman's late night show came mm-hmm. on. So I, of course, had a bedtime that I could not stay up past. But she would keep track of who was going to be the guest on the show. So like on week one, oh. when George Carlin was a guest on it, she placed an audio cassette recorder in front of <laughs> really? the TV because we didn't have a VCR yet. And she would make audio tape wow. recordings of Letterman's show if there was a guest on that she knew that I would be turned on by. Well, now that's a great mom. That's pretty cool. That's terrific. Um, so uh, I guess George Carlin passed away about three years ago. And uh, in a bit of a somber moment here for uh, Succotash, uh, the Bay Area comedy community lost one of our longtime legends this past week, Bill Rafferty. Uh, who uh, most people knew nationally as one of the hosts of NBC's Real People, and then as a game show host for such classics as Card Sharks and Blockbusters, he uh, passed away on Saturday, complications from a fall a couple of months ago. Um, He's really been a fixture around the Bay Area, has always performed at Comedy Day in Golden Gate Park, always really nice to new comedians, and he was actually looking forward to coming on Succotash as a guest, but we just hadn't had a chance to set a date yet. And he was also a host of uh, the Good Time Cafe that KGO uh, produced, uh, oh, if you remember that yeah. show, which is sort of a local comedy-oriented show. But anyway, here's a clip I found uh, from an interview he did on GSN, the game show network, back in 2008 when he was reminiscing about the, doing the pilot episode of Card Sharks. Now, we've been watching you on Card Sharks all yes. week. How exciting was it to be such a part of such a loved show? I'll tell you the truth. When I did the pilot, I didn't realize. I'm, I'm a child of the 50s, and I grew up watching television during the 50s. And they used to have this phrase from television city in Hollywood. Right. And I'm sitting backstage waiting to go on to do the pilot. And I think it was Gene Wood was the announcer on the pilot. And I wasn't nervous. I was, hey, I'm going to do a game show. This is great stuff. And all of a sudden I heard him scream from television city in Hollywood. I almost passed out. I almost went right there. I said, my God, I'm in television. This is amazing. You know, it was like the real deal. It finally dawned on me, you know, because I'm, I'm not the brightest bulb on the marquee. By any but story. you were used to being on stage because you were a stand-up. Yeah, but that statement from Television City in Hollywood, I didn't realize how ingrained it was in me uh, from, from, being, from being a little kid. And to have that associated with me, I, I just, I've never gotten over that. It's, it's my biggest, biggest memory of, I think, in show business. Hello, friends. You know, the problem with most trousers these days, regardless of how well they fit, is that they don't really allow you true freedom of movement. Just when you need it least, you'll find your pants binding at the hip, knee, or crotch. Such restrictions are now a thing of the past once you gear up in a pair of Henderson's ballet pants. Please, don't get the wrong idea. You don't have to be performing pirouettes, side leaps, a chasse, or any other fancy pants mincing around on a stage in order to take advantage of these fabulous trousers. Would you benefit by knowing the intricacies of a bourree, the simple elegance of a releve, or even the easy-peasy plie? Of course, it's all pretty basic ballet 101, but even if you're just a regular Joe who struts his stuff walking to the corner to bag a pack of smokes and a brewski, you can bet your neighbors are going to notice a little bit of grand ensemble en tournant in your step when making that trek in your Henderson's Ballet Pants. Originally designed for Mikhail Baryshnikov, Mrs. Hooper's fifth grade class, and people who just generally think they're better than us, Henderson's Ballet Pants are available in the same 
same stores that sell those pretentious little dance shoes and tutus too. That's Henderson's, makers of theater trousers and cabaret cords since 1902. And now back to Succotash. Ah, uh, Henderson's ballet pants, inspired by our guest Phil Ernest in an offhand comment you made when I was interviewing you about uh, a recent Kickstarter campaign. It's led into some very interesting directions, some uh, foundations and government agencies coming out of the woodwork oh. to make grants. And, oh, good. And um, okay, let's uh, get back to the clips. Uh, we have uh, something from the Dana Gould Hour. He has embraced the world of podcasting as he now goes into episode nine of the Dana Gould Hour, and uh, he's one of the ones that uh, makes my prediction come true that if you hear a comedian or other personality guest on uh, seven or eight podcasts, that he is ramping up to do his own, and that's exactly what happened with Mr. Gould. Uh, I enjoy Dana. I've known him since he was in stand-up uh, here in San Francisco in the late 80s, and um, here his guests are uh, Steve uh, Agee, or Agee, I'm not exactly sure how Steve pronounces his last name, I only see him on Twitter, and uh, Matt Weinhold. And uh, actually, Matt Weinhold got married uh, a year or so ago, and Dana Gould was the officiant at his wedding. In fact, uh, f um, Dean was at that right, wedding. Right, right. Uh, was this the one at the silent the, movie theater? Yes, exactly. And uh, Dana Gould was doing his uh, Vincent Price impression, and the whole thing was themed around The Tingler, the movie The Tingler. It was fabulous. Wow. Anyway, so uh, here they're talking about uh, uh, Comic-Con, which recently wrapped up its latest incarnation in San Diego. Now, everybody asked me if I was going to go to Comic-Con this year. And I said, no, I hate Comic-Con. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because I used to love it. Uh-huh. And now, as Eddie Gorodetsky says, Comic-Con is a great place to go to see the people who used to beat you up for going to Comic-Con. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's just been taken over by all the business jerks. Yeah. And the comics are actually in a different building now. Mm -hmm. I can't get to the comic books because I have to stand behind the Glee panel. <laughs> there was a panel for Glee at Comic-Con. Now, I have nothing against Glee. Shouldn't they be at but the sci-fi and be at Comic -Con. horror conference? Have you read the Glee comics? Well, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't judge. The they... Alan Moore ones are the best. I like the one where they meet Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> but not... That was my fan fiction. <laughs> Nothing will make you hate something more than when they fuck with something you love. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't hate. I'm just, meh, whatever. Like, I don't even get angry at the news, like the political news. I know people that get so livid about what John Boehner said, and they tweet it out. That, to me, is just professional wrestling with ties. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It's a show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just a show. I, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to get upset about it. Yeah. Right. I love a show. Sure, so, I enjoy a right, show. Right. But so I won't get mad at that. Mm -hmm. I just, eh, that's their job. But then I will go to see, let me just pull something out of thin air Tim Burton's Dark Shadows. Yeah. And I will just want to strangle a cop. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you could re edit this to say, let me pull something out of thin air Tim Burton's. And then you could just in, drop in movies. Drop in movie <laughs> titles. And we could have this conversation yeah. over and Don't over again. Don't get me started on Spider Man. But because I used to love him, yeah. to see him. And there's no other excuse than you're just don't give a shit. No. There's no other excuse. than He always is like, we're going for a specific tone. <laughs> no, that's you didn't read the script until you got to the set. <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, you'd have an easier time if you actually directed a movie like Ed Wood. 
Yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. You just got the first take and then moved on. Well, I couldn't love the movie Ed Wood more. It's 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 absolutely in my top. No, it's perfect. Like, three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. And I love the idea of so many of his other movies. Like I loved Beetlejuice and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and I loved Frankenweenie the uh, short, and I loved uh, the short Vincent, and I even I love Sweeney Todd. Yeah, and, and well, now just to I see him, I don't. Okay, far. all right. And then the, again, oddly enough, the movie I love more than any other, Planet of the Apes. Right. 1968. Yes. The movie I hate more than any other, Planet of the Apes, directed by Tim Burton, which is just... Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes makes the Planet of the Apes TV series from the 1970s look like sacred text. (laughs) Okay, there's the Dana Gould Hour. Uh, You can find that at danagould.com, also on iTunes now, affiliate... uh, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm just going to say that okay. Dana Gould is one of my absolute favorite comics of all time, and he's another comic that, for me, really is effective at of getting you to look at an idea in a different perspective and using language to do this. And this this comment that he made about how he doesn't hate unless somebody fucks with something he loves. We, we are a culture right now that is so quick to hate. Like, it's okay to say, I hate that. I hate him. I hate, you know, all these things. I hate when people do I that. hate when people, I hate people yeah. who, who hate people. People who hate people are just the most hate-worthy people I know. Uh, but, you know, this idea of, okay, but if it is something you genuinely love or a person you love and they're fucking with them, yeah, then we can understand you really yes. getting, and almost maybe we would be better off if, for example, oh, one of the things we loved were our fellow human beings. And then when there were people fucking with our fellow human beings, we might take it personally. We might actually <laughs> start changing things. Well, we'll have to wait till the aliens come down. Um, when when uh, Dana Gould contributed some pieces to Bill Maher's HBO show, uh-huh. And there was one piece in particular that's one of the the great pieces I've ever seen on television. He went and did a remote at this healthcare uh, event that went on in downtown Los Angeles. It's mm. this organization that brings healthcare and dental care and vision care to people in the third world. And now much of the United States qualifies as third world and in need of dental care. So this organization is coming into America for the first time to bring this emergency care to people. And it was right at the time when the public health care debate was going okay. on. And he and and uh, Dana took cameras to a rally in one part of town where people were so angry about public health care. You know, we, we live in a republic, not a democracy, <laughs> right. you know, scream so angry and then he went to this uh, health fair where these people who didn't have two nickels to rub together were waiting in line for 24 hours to get their first pair of glasses that they've needed for years and these people are the most hopeful and gentle (laughs) and it was this amazing thing that showed that the people who you would think would be really pissed off are hopeful and the people who have health care are the ones that are so angry (laughs) and at that moment I thought Dana Gould needs to have his own show and so I'm really glad that he has his own podcast. Uh, yeah, and it is a good podcast, too. So, again, that's Dana Gould Hour. Uh, next up is a, just a little piece from Brett Hamill, who runs a show called Ham Radio out of Seattle. Brett's a stand-up, and we've played several clips from his show uh, in uh, the lifetime of Succotash. But uh, this was a quick ad that he he threw together on his show, and he thought that I would like it because I'm always complaining about uh, 
the uh, what I'm calling the shoot the shit shows where it's like four guys sitting around talking over each other. So uh, let's give a listen to uh, this uh, Airzats promo by uh, Brett Hamill. Coming soon to the Brett Hamill Podcasting Network. It's the Comedy Crosstalk Podcast. 150 minutes of white male stand-up comics talking continuously every week. It's the Comedy Crosstalk Podcast, where we talk about pop culture. That's your favorite movie. Politics. Sarah Palin is a cunt. Oh, yeah. And everything else. Yeah, so I got I this boil on my ass. Not the boil itself. I'm going to do a boil up. Don't, don't talk about the boil. The Comedy Crosstalk Podcast. Coming soon to the Brett Hamill Podcasting Network. Trust us, you're going to like it. Yeah, you're going really to like it. Funny. A lot of fun. Like it. The Brett Hamill Podcasting Network is a wholly owned subsidiary of Brett Hamill Industries. Well, there's actually two commentaries going on there. One is the crosstalk thing, which is very funny, and then the Brett, the Brett Hamill Network, because there is this proliferation of comedy podcast networks going on. You know, there's The Nerdist, there's Earwolf, and now uh, Splitsider has started their own. Jay Moore has started his own network. Wow. Um, and there's just on and on and on. And uh, I'm actually going to start, I think, featuring in the coming episodes uh, those networks themselves. So I will do an Earwolf show where I just play clips from the Earwolf, and then I'll talk to one of the movers and shakers who put that together and find out, you know, what's going on, how'd you do it, why'd you do it, that sort of thing. I think it might be interesting. In addition to being podcast royalty, uh, <laughs> Dean and I apparently have done everything backwards because, of course, we started on a network. Oh, that's right. And then within the last year and a half <laughs> went independent. Uh, there could be a whole network, uh, seriously, of Seattle-based podcast oh, because yeah. there's so many good ones. I've got one that I listen to a lot called Twisted Geeks, not a comedy show, yeah. uh, but uh, love love that show. And so here, if, for you podcasters in Seattle, here's my idea. Uh, form your own network and uh, you can thank me later. Feel free to call it that whole Puget Sound. Ah, I right? see what you, you did. see what I did? Yeah, I did. I did right. see what you did there. I'll be, yeah. I'll be Which with... is usually what Dean says to you. I see what you did there. Yeah, he does. <laughs> or I'll ask, did you see what I did there? And he'll say, barely. Barely. Hey, f- uh, where were we? Uh, oh, yeah, Brett Hamill. Sorry, I was going to give him his, his due. Oh, yeah. Uh, BrettHamill.com. B-R-E-T-T-H-A-M-I-L.com. iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and YouTube is where you can find him. Uh, again, I can't seem to get the nose of this thing off the ground. We're going to go back into something a little bit depressing here, uh, and I'm sorry about that, but I think it's worth noting. Um, Professor Blastoff is a comedy podcast that we've been checking in with since they got started, and they are now up to uh, 64 episodes, uh, which is a lot more regular than I've been doing. I don't know how they got there, um, but uh, they are Tig Notaro, Kyle Dunnigan, and David Huntsberger, and it's, uh, it's a science-oriented show where they take a, a a question by Professor Blastoff, who's this character lost in time and space, <laughs> who sends back these questions. And it was recently revealed that Tignataro, one of the co-hosts, has been diagnosed with double breast cancer. Um, and they talk about it on the show. And I think you have to kind of um, really stand back and salute that kind of courage it takes to uh, talk to your regular podcast audience and bring something like this up when normally you're just sort of laughing and scratching and talking about comedy. So let's, uh, here's a little clip of her talking about that on the show. I had gone in for some testing um, 
real quick update. If you haven't heard the other episode, um, went in for a mammogram, looked abnormal, went in for some follow-up testing that kept happening, which should have only been 45 minutes, turned into six hours. Um, I was told it looked very likely that I had breast cancer uh, and that it was very likely it was in both breasts and obviously hoping for the best and then a couple of days ago got news that I have it so that's <laughs> what's going on so our hearts and support go out to Tig. Uh, I heard she did an amazing live comedy show last week in L.A. and talked about her diagnosis. And people were there like Louis C.K. who were blown away by her honesty and uh, and her humor. You can drop by the Professor Blastoff site and leave Tig a message of support. They're at ProfessorBlastoff.com. Louis C.K. posted a, an incredible review of, mm. of that show with some real insight into it and, and basically said it's one of the three great live performances he's ever seen. Wow. Uh, I find that clip so interesting. And the little laugh she gives at the end there where she says that's what's going on, yeah. uh, I, I just would love to know, you know, what was rolling through her head at that moment that mm. kind of made her laugh. And maybe it's what you were saying, you know, the, just the oddity of I'm sharing this with everyone yeah. on a comedy podcast, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very interesting. Anyway, so uh, check out ProfessorBlastoff.com. Like I say, uh, leave Tig a message of support there if uh, if you have a mind to. Um, next off is uh, the Pissed Off Man podcast. This is actually a spinoff from a show that we've featured a number of times, the G&J Show from Belfast, Ireland. I like playing the show because it's uh, it's almost indecipherable. Their brogue is so thick. Yeah, I, I can't make out a word. Uh, and so, turn on the subtitles for me, so, Joe. In fact, we we had uh, our um, our Irish correspondent Frank Cronin in the studio the last time we were in Studio P, uh, trying to decipher, and he's from Ireland, and he wasn't quite sure what they were saying. Anyway, so uh, Gavin is the G of G and J show, and apparently Jay doesn't show up on time for their show a lot of the times. It makes Gavin mad, and so he started doing a very short. It's usually just a few minutes long of something he calls the Pissed Off Man Show. So see if you can figure out what he's so pissed off about here. It's Pissed Off Man Show episode God knows what. Today is Saturday, the 4th of August 2012. If you happen to live in Northern Ireland, you may be aware it's Pride Day. Gay Pride Day. I have no problem with that. Down with the gays. In fact, this Tuesday coming, I'm going to a gay wedding, which I expect will have dildos hanging all over the place because... That's what gay people do, obviously. No problem with the gays, my sister's gay, all this sort of thing. I have a problem with Christians. Christians being against homosexuals. It just bothers me so much. Christian, I, I know a lot of Christians. A lot of, a lot of my family's Christians. A lot of the people I know, Christians. They have no problem with homosexuals. Yes, each to their own, that sort of attitude. But you'll always get a few. And they'll start quoting things. Oh, man should only lie with his wife and shit like this. My main problem with this is, for a start, I class myself as a non-faced, which means I don't believe in God, I reject the concept of God, which kind of nullifies the whole Bible thing. Even if there was a God, which again, you're entitled to do your own thing, you're entitled to believe what you want to believe. Here's one for you. 
I believe that people who believe in God can do great good. Having a belief in a God or some kind of creation myth or whatever, I've heard it said and I've read it in various places, that keeps a lot of people sane. Because not having this ultimate thing hanging over you would mean people would just descend into madness, into anarchy, because there's nothing to shoot for. So, not shitting on religion, I'm shitting on people who are so religious, or pretending to be so religious, that they're going to shit on other people just because they're not into the same things they happen to be into. If that got a bit confusing, I'll spell it out. Christians don't like gay people because gay people like taking the dick up the bum or not having a dick at all, in the case of lesbians. So that's basically, at the age of five, I go out into the street and there's a boy and he's playing with, say, He-Man. I don't like He-Man. I don't actually like He-Man. It's a really lame cartoon. I like Transformers. This wee lad doesn't like Transformers. He likes He-Man. I don't like He-Man. He likes Transformers. Well, God damn it. He's going to be condemned to the pits of hell because... And, yeah, that's a pretty good example if you think about it because at the age of five, that's kind of what you're thinking. Well, fuck you. You don't like the Transformers. Go to hell. But these are grown people. Fully grown, mature, allegedly matured people. But, no, you... You rot in the fires of hell, you foul demon, because you don't like doing the same things I like doing, and you don't believe. In fact, well, that's not even the case, because, in fact, my sister and her partner, Mel, they go to a church every Sunday. They do believe in God. They praise God, all that sort of thing. So it's not like, oh, you're homosexual, you don't believe in God, damn you. No, it's just one line in a book, and it's just, Jesus Christ, you need to catch a grip. And the pissed off man show. I'm sweating, and I'm going to bed. <laughs> so, so there's the pissed off man, and I played the entire episode for you. It's so short, I couldn't even pl- pull a clip. That was it. Uh, as Joe pointed out, our engineer producer, he actually is understandable when it's just him by himself. It's when you get that crosstalk Dublin or a Belfast thing going, you can't make head or tail of what they're saying. Uh, but that's the, that's the pissed off man show. You can find it at gnjshow.com, also on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. It's always fascinating to hear how people from other parts of the world view uh, news events and issues of the time. You know, uh, oh, I oh here comes it's I, uh, Bill Haywatt. Uh, oh, sorry. I, oh dear. I should have warned. Well, should have warned. Should have warned you. Uh, you know, the Sherman's really kind of rare on you, and the older you get it. <laughs> Bill hey, Haywatt. I've heard the... so much about you. It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, it's very good to meet you, Dave. Go, Thank you for coming. I'm, I'm glad you remember uh, that we had a guest. His we're going to get fucked up now. We're going to have a little His fun. His name, name is Phil. Yeah, Phil. 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 I'm sorry. Phil. That's all right. It's, uh, Phil Hot. Phil. Phil Ernest. Phil Arness. <laughs> yes, exactly. I worked with your father, D- uh, Jim. Uh, Jim, Jim Arness. Arness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Back in, uh, we were working at. Uh, uh, well, we were East McKeesport. Uh, I was the assistant booth announcer back then. <laughs> Feel free to just call me Mr. George Takei, Mr. however. George, how are you? Listen, I, I brought a, I've got a great beverage. Come over well, let's make our way to, the, to, the, to the, the wet bar. Come yeah, over to the wet bar here. Come over to the, to the home of the head. I'll tell you, this is the home of the uh, head. We're going to... 
we're going to live it up now. I, I promised uh, Phil. Now, yes. now I promised that you would be making up for the, the oh, barbecue listen, punch. Oh, listen, I'm so sorry. I had something in mind with the barbecue punch, and it, it was it was a Fourth of July beverage, and I, I was going to go for the savory rather than the sweet. And I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it, was, it was more I, the I, nauseating. I, oh God, the sweet. I'm so that's, sorry. But that's all right. This one is much better, and, and we're going to just get right to it here. We're going to start out first of all. We're going to do. Uh, Sure, I've got a little pitcher here. Okay. I've got uh, some vodka. We're going to start right. off with two shots of vodka. What can possibly do to vodka. This is a drink that I got when I was assistant booth announcer in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. I was working with a blind engineer, and his name his his name was was Hillel Markowitz, but we just called him by his professional name, which was Stephen Williams, and and he. Showed me this thing. It was like we, we wanted to keep warm. It was very very cold, and and since we were working all night in close quarters, we wanted to <laughs> inundate ourselves against any germs that we have. So okay. this is a very healthy drink. And what we always say with boozing it, Bill, if it's good to you, it's good, it's good for, for you. It, yeah. And this is going to be good, good to you and yeah, good for good you. Advice. Now one of my favorite drinks here. We're going to put a little bit of this in here. We're going to put a little absinthe. Okay. Okay. It, so it, we've got. It makes the heart grow fonder. Hell yes. So we've got one. <laughs> We've got one, two parts of, of vodka, okay, yeah. and then we've got to get the Even one part, one okay. part of the absinthe here. Yes. All right. There we go. All right. And uh, then we've got a couple secret ingredients oh, okay. that we're going to put in here, and one of them is, please excuse so me. So far it looks like mouthwash. It's good, yes. And one of them is, one of the ingredients is Red Bull. Okay. And since we are making a, 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 a we are making it healthy here, this is sugar-free Red Bull. This is perfect. Yes. This is working out Sugar-free well. Red Bull. So it's um, two parts vodka. One part absinthe, making the heart grow fonder. I have to remember this. To and then the we go on the website. Three parts. Three parts of the sugar bowl. Free. Sugar free. Not just in a Red Bull. I, I mean, most people I hang out with say I don't like to have so many things that end with I N E, but it's got uh, it's got a lot of good taurine, taurine, taurine benzene. Don't put that on the website. <laughs> so then we've got this. And now the real secret ingredient that you want to remain healthy with, we're going to put the secret ingredient here. This is emergency. Ah, okay. We're going to put a little packet of emergency. Right. That's why we call this wow. Hillel, actually, well, Steve. Steve. Steve called this the Red Sea. Because, you know, you've got Red Bull, and it's not really so red. It's kind of, of drink, the kiss yellow. Sea. This is called the Red Sea. Okay. And we'll pour that right in there. And then we're going to, excuse me. Oh, i got a little more in here. And we got to, it's good. You've got to drink it cold. It's best when it's served cold. So we're going to put a few. So, well, like, I guess I like revenge. Oh, so. yes, that's right. So, so this, we're going to shake it up this here. This knocks you out, keeps you awake, and keeps you healthy. And keeps you healthy. Wow. It keeps you awake, it puts you to sleep, and it keeps you from sneezing in you over the microphone windscreen, which you want to avoid at all costs. So we put a little, put some ice in here. I'm going to make it nice and cold. Okay. And then put it back in the little... I don't know what's in store for you. Oh, you're going to live it. We're going to party down, boys. See, now it is indeed red. You can see it's indeed yes, red. It's a Can I get the pattern history you have. Uh, well, I've been off and on that wagon so much, I've changed the tires on it so many times. <laughs> so, well, we're going to pour in here. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Nice. Oh, that's, straight that's, that's out. Now, I got to now Phil, you, you told me beforehand that you don't mind drinking during a podcast, so... Uh, I hope, yeah, uh, I hope you I don't hope mind drinking this. Stands fast now. I don't mind drinking before a podcast, during, or after. Well, That's then we've really got a little bit more than we expected here, oh, so excellent. we're all okay. going to enjoy it. 
So the Red Bull from my good old friend in Moose Jaw, uh, uh, Hillel Markowitz. The Red Sea. The Red Sea. The Red Sea. I got the... Uh, the the, oh, the lime the wedge. Fucking oh, the lime wedge. Oh, Absolutely. Because we need the, the real citrus. That's in there. right. Here we go. Get scurvy. Of, there we go. A little bit of that. A little lime. A little squeeze. The fog has really rolled in here in the hills in Sausalito. That's right. the home of the yeah, head. The home. And it's actually clear. All right, outside, there. You drink this. Drink this. There we go. It's now your, then, truly, truly to your house. The Red Bull. Okay, here we go. Well? Hmm? Actually. That is not bad. It's not bad, is it? But it's it's really like it's about the health benefits. It's like it's it the health a, benefits. It tastes kind of like a cough drop. It, it well, is, but it it, but but the kind it'll get you fucked up though, son. It's a yes. good cough drop. Right. It's another, Phil, you're, from you're, the hot, it's as, the, as the newcomer here to a, you're the first live visitor. Yes, well, that we've as had, opposed so. to the dead visitors that we've had over time. <laughs> what, uh, so, what do you think? Uh, oh, he's not smiling. I take this very seriously. No, I take oh, my responsibilities oh, well. as a well, taster. Well, drink, drink responsibly, very. of course. Yes, taste responsibly. I mean, it's got to be a little medicinal. Yes, right. Because it, it is. is the Red Bull. But it's, I mean, look at this. It's got a thousand milligrams of vitamin C in it, and it's a dietary supplement, so it's got to be so good. For and me. of course, the absinthe also has, you know, always a very unique Yes, of course. Well, the it. wormwood aspect of it, you're going right. to be seeing mm. people crawling around here shortly. And, so, thumbs up, thumbs down. You're, you're the, loving it. You're the, hating it. The this is the first is, time I've actually drained my glass on boozing with Bill. Absolutely, so. it's a winner, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the difference between oh, the cough drop well, element a, that you were describing right, and this. A little bit more here. Is it when a little it, bit more? <laughs> I, think, I think it's. I think it suddenly becomes oh, crosstalking right. with, <laughs> with, with, with boozing Bill. Okay. Don't talk about that boiler. You were going to no, I, me, the, it, it leads with yes. the medicinal taste. Mm. It doesn't have an aftertaste. No. It leads yes. with the medicinal mm. taste. Yes. The after is smooth. It's a clean, a clean finish. finish. I like that. I haven't had a clean finish in a long time. <laughs> that's that's why I, I keep moving around to so many different... That's the name of your memoir. The longest, <laughs> longest job I've had in my career has been with... with the, 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 suck, 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 I read yeah. that on your shirt. Suck, suck, so anyway, that's that's it. It's the Red Sea. You heard it about it here from me, from the your recipe old friend will be up on the Bill Haywatt. Hell and, uh, yes, proudly so. Proud, 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 absolutely yeah. happy. Well, I'm going to go back in now. Cheers. Uh, cheers to your loot. Your health yes. and happiness always. Toujours la femme. Oh, excellent. Bill Haywatt. Bill Haywatt leaving the red light on. The Red Sea. Do we still have time to even discuss the Angry Man show? Or? Oh, sure. You can get back in it. Well, I just wanted to say that, yes. you know, when he's talking about how he's angry at, uh, you know, Christians being against homosexuals, and, and that's certainly a very uh, a very humanistic approach that he takes. Uh, of course, he's seeing it through the prism of how uh, science and education mm. has, uh, you know, filtered into his life in Ireland. Here in America, of course, we know things are a little bit different. We know, for example, here that if there were such a thing as climate change, if it weren't, in fact, a, a, a liberal conspiracy, <laughs> right. it would, in fact, be caused by gay marriage. So because we <laughs> understand science here. Yeah. So that's why that's a good we point. have a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're very scientifically minded. <laughs> that explanation was brought to you by Red, Red Sea. <laughs> I feel very warm. I, it's good, Junior. It's good for you, son. I kind of. It's kind of tingly, man. I sort of. 
I sort of love you guys. <laughs> I think we're going to have another round before we get out of here today. This is fantastic. So uh, let's um, – I've been trying to play more musical – music comedy, comedy music uh, in the show. And uh, next week, the show is going to be wholly devoted to a comedy musician named John Aniolo. He does comedy and sci-fi music. It's kind of an interesting blend. I did a very fascinating interview with him. So I'm going to play that interview next uh, next episode and uh, a number of his songs. But to kind of prime the pump. I will play what was his breakthrough song, as he describes in the interview. Uh, He got the song. It's almost word for word from a posting that Neil Gaiman, the writer, did. Uh, A a fan of Neil's had written um, about George R.R. Martin, who wrote the series of books which um, The Game of Thrones is based on. And Martin had taken so long to get the next installment of the books out that uh, this person had written Neil Gaiman said, is it improper for me to demand that George R.R. Martin get the next book out quickly? And George uh, uh, Gaiman's response was that uh, George R.R. Martin is not your bitch. And you have no right to demand that of any any author or artist. And so John Aniolo uh, wrote this song based on that response. So let's give a listen to that. And then next week we will have a full-on interview uh, with John Aniolo. I got an email from a reader who said he loved an author who wrote epic fantasy. He asked me if I thought the writer should feel like he's required to finish up the series. And this is what I said.
right, so that's uh, John Aniolo, and George R.R. R. Martin is not your bitch. Uh, he's got a lot of funny stuff, a lot of sci-fi-oriented stuff. Uh, one of his songs is called su- simply Summer Glau, which is devoted to the actress Summer Glau. Um, and uh, we'll have him as our, uh, as our interview guest next week or next episode. It'll probably be in a week, maybe. Depends if I get to it or not. But uh, a fascinating story. And, you know, I, I've often talked about a number of the, the podcast hosts sort of hide their identities. We only know their first name. There's never information about them on the website. And it's because they have day jobs and things like that and don't want people to know who they are and they're doing this sort of thing. John Aniolo is a, is a stage name. He's actually a school teacher. He teaches music back in New Jersey. And he says none of his students know he does this. And the guy has like three of these albums that he's done. He's got a website. He's got all this stuff. He says no student has figured out he's the same dude. Wow. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, and he goes around. He plays shows and does uh, does sci-fi conventions. That's amazing. I mean, you know, but uh, then again, I travel around the world, and you'd be surprised how few people know that I am their friend in podcasting. If it wasn't for wedding days, people would not know who I am. But I... is that what you're most recognized for? <laughs> <laughs> Either that or any of my other fabulous Hallmark movies that I appear in. Um, let's uh, let's get back to the clips. And this is a clip from a show that you turned me on to. I did what? Phil Lerness. What the what? The what? Uh, yeah, you. I had just started doing Succotash. I had been in contact with you and let you know that you and, uh, and Dean had kind of gotten me started on this road of uh, podcast uh, misery, mystery. And uh, you said, have you listened to what Duvet said? And I said, I, I have not. And I did. I've not only listened to the show, we've played several clips. And Rob Chelly, which is one half of what Duvet said, was my guest co-host. Don't say which half. Oh, I won't. Yeah, I don't want to uh, know whether, because, again, pseudonyms. That's right. He could be Duvet. He could be Jason Duplissy. We don't know. That's right. But he was uh, he was a guest co-host <laughs> here on Suck Unless we listen to that episode of Suck in which case we then know. Then you'll know, oh. exactly. But anyway, so uh, here's, a, here's a clip from uh, What Duvet Said. What are we doing now? What are we doing now? I'm just going to make these news stories uh, simple, and we'll just go with the, the, the title, and then we'll write our own news story to it. How okay. about Rob and Jason write the news this okay. week? I love this one. It's from uh, New York Channel 4, and it says, Army tests spy blimp over New Jersey. What, what do they, they test what over New Jersey? A spy blimp. Oh, a spy blimp. Isn't hmm. that funny? Can you think of something less inconspicuous than a blimp? <laughs> <laughs> well, only that I don't pay any attention to blimps, so I wouldn't right? think they were spying. <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe that's the beauty of it. You know, like a drone looks like something that might be spying on you, but a blimp, you're like, oh, there must be a like a, a game going on or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Must be some sort of advertisement that they're trying to do. I think this is a good idea, the whole uh, just read one line and think that we know everything about it, because that seems to be what everybody does anyway. I just need one sentence of the news, and I, I will know everything about it, and I will have my opinion about it. So here, yeah. here's here's one sentence of a news story that I know, and I'm probably wrong about all of it, but here's here's okay. what I believe the sentence of the news story was, okay? Okay. Owner of Chick-fil-A contributes to anti-gay... Uh, uh, some things. Owner so, of Chick Fil A. Yep. Fillet, like F I L E T. Did you really not hear anything about this story? Uh. Uh-uh. No, that never made it out to New uh, York. No, 
No, dude, I live in such a bubble currently these days where if it doesn't involve like, you know, obscure fucking shitty bands <laughs> or, uh, you know, me researching people that may or may not be able to help my employment chances, it doesn't, doesn't register. All right. Well, the rest of my time is spent watching TJ Hooker. Okay, well, now you know as much about that story as I heard in the first place. Um, and then I did a little more research on it, but that was the first thing that I heard. And there was all sorts of protests about it. And I believe that's the only thing that, uh, anybody knew about it. Take a look for it. <laughs> it's kind of big news. <laughs> and I believe if they landed a Chick-fil-A on Mars, then it would have gotten more play than, uh, than it did. I turned on my TV half an hour after the thing landed on Mars and there was absolutely no news coverage about it yet. I could turn on my TV for three days about the Chick-fil-A thing and it was going on and on and on and on and on. So do you think... A spy blimp is a good idea. Um, guess, well, just guess how much they're spending on the on the, on the spy blimp. Uh, seventeen ninety five. <laughs> if that's in millions, you're closer. It's five hundred and seventeen million dollars, and we blimp. wonder why we have a deficit. I don't wonder why we have a deficit. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't, but others might. Oh, Americans, see. Americans wonder. Americans, Americans wonder. So they tested over what part of New Jersey, I suppose. Let, let's figure that out. I think they tested it over North Jersey. That would be, uh, let's see here. No, we're supposed to be making up. What, you're not even following your own segment. You're not supposed to be reading it. <laughs> it says it doesn't give the exact location. <sighs> but let, I, would, I would say northern New Jersey makes sense, right? That seems like where you'd want to be spying. Yeah, Unless you want to spy, spy on the folks in southern Jersey. And I can tell you what they're doing. Just turn on the Jersey Shore yeah. on NPV. All right. Well, that was an exciting and... news segment. <laughs> I think that was enough news for this week. <laughs> Is that enough news, really? Yeah. All right. So that's what Duvet said, Jason Duplissy, and Rob Shelley. Uh, Rob Shelley, I don't know if we'll have him back as a, as a guest co-host because he has moved from San Francisco to New York. So Succotash could hit the road. Absolutely. I've dreamed of that, as has my wife. <laughs> uh, I love Jason's comment about how reading just a headline makes us feel informed. <laughs> I mean, that explains Twitter, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I am that way. I plead guilty to that. Hey, did you hear what's going on in, you know, and I haven't heard what's going on. I just looked at what's trending on, on the topics on Twitter. Yeah, but. if it has a hash mark in front of it, I'm informed. The uh, the other thing that is kind of revealed that just made me laugh so much was uh, Rob, or excuse me, Duvet, uh, admits to being in this really interesting bubble of, like, unless it's about an obscure band, I don't know about it. Or unless it's about to lead to employment for me, I don't know about it. <laughs> this is why podcasting is better than any other form of communication. <laughs> in other forms of communication, being in such a, a bubble would preclude you yes. from hosting a show here it gives you the niche you need it recommends you for the job i love <laughs> i love that by the way i gotta tell you jason duplissy and i will from time to time get together and play a game that i think you would love called the film game the movie game and and all it is is what people used to do i think with music records where you would play a song and like i might make a musical selection and then you would match my musical selection with something that that song had inspired in you you okay. would go to your record collection and we do that with movie scenes oh, and sometimes we'll have a theme like it's villains night scenes all <laughs> of villains and so you have to take the scene that i showed and then you have to match me and hopefully raise oh, me oh interesting yeah scene. that it's is the good. movie game and it's a lot of fun i like that 
I like that. Well, I'm in the in the course of digitizing my entire movie collection. So next time I come to L.A., I'll have it all available in the cloud. Oh. And, and I will play you, sir. <laughs> I'm going to go to the French Stewart in Wedding Days <laughs> scenes first before you get a chance. Damn. Damn you. Uh, so uh, let's give them their due. Uh, what Duvet said can be found at what Duvet, which is D-U-V-E-T, what Duvet said dot blogspot dot com. They're also on iTunes. And uh, that brings us up to uh, our burst. Oh, Durst. That's right. Closing out our show as per usual is our ambassador to the middle, Will Durst. What with the November elections top of mind and the Olympics just concluded, Will is bringing the two together as only he can. Hey, guys, Will Durst here to congratulate London on putting on a terrific 30th Olympia. Added kudos for keeping the athletic contests pretty much politics free. Except, of course, for the monumental ugliness that was the women's semifinal field hockey match between Great Britain and Argentina, a.k.a. the Falklands War II. This time, it's personal. You can never entirely keep politics out of games or games out of politics. The two have a lot in common. For instance, we root for our teams no matter who they line up against. We keep score and hold grudges for generations. Contestants regularly try to psych out the other side with smack talk about somebody's mama. And every once in a while, a relief pitcher will buzz a high tight one around the chin of an opposing superstar, and both benches will clear. And then not much of anything happens. Even our notoriously equanimitous to the point of semi-somnambulant president occasionally is forced to engage in various sporty contortions. Here's a little something we like to call the Barack Obama election year decathlon. Number one, the individual medley multiple issue straddle. Number two, the debt ceiling crisis crunch clean and jerk, with the emphasis on the jerk. Number three, the global goodwill high hurdle tour. Number four, extreme middle-of-the-road straight-line walk-run. Number five, the single-weekend 10-state fundraising marathon. Number six, the last-minute digging up a Democrat with a backbone scramble. Number seven, the successful solar energy photo-op dash. Number eight, the 800-pound gorilla that is the economy Greco-Roman wrestle. Number nine, the biting his tongue while in the presence of John Boehner freestyle. And the last event, number 10, the Joe Biden advanced obstacle course. Now with landmines. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will Durst. Uh, you can find him at willdurst.com. He also tweets at Will Durst. And um, since you grew up in the Bay Area, you must have had some exposure to Mr. Durst. I was about to ask you. I mean, t- having grown up in the Bay Area, he's certainly a really a legendary figure to mm-hmm. me. I mean, is it is that true in other geographical areas, or is it kind of, is is he one of those Bay Area fixtures? Well, he's mostly locally known, but I think he's had enough national exposure that Will's pretty well known. He had a, he's had a couple of cable shows and things like that, that I think... Yeah, because he's really one of those guys, you know, those of us who loved comedy grew up studying. Yeah. Really. And that piece alone, you know, that was reminiscent. You played George Carlin earlier, the interview with him. That was reminiscent to me of the old George Carlin routine about comparing football to baseball. Mm. In in my childhood recollections, the Will Dursts and the George Carlins are up there on my comedy Rushmore. 
I like that. And so would Will. Uh, Phil Ernest, thank you so much for uh, being with us for this uh, episode 32 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. What uh, what do you have on the horizon besides uh, your ongoing concern with the uh, Hollywood, uh, the Chilpack Hollywood Hour? Well, I have a long drive back to Los Angeles <laughs> okay. from Sausalito. Made all uh, the more worthwhile by not only the recipe for Red Sea, <laughs> And for the home version of the Succotash game. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, you get, get that as a, you get that as a guest. Yes, but also absolutely. The, but also the satchel full of good memories oh. that I've uh, had here right now. I'm working on uh, a bunch of things uh, through Ethan Detmeyer, uh, the host and producer of Combat Radio. I uh, was introduced to Adrian Paul, the actor who starred in the TV series Highlander. Highlander. Yeah. And uh, he... Uh, is the founder of something called the Peace Fund, oh. uh, Protect, Educate, Aid Children Everywhere, and I'll be doing a series of spots oh, nice. for them. Yes, it's nice putting uh, putting your... You like to think that you put your creative gifts to work to be of service to your fellow man in some way. It's especially nice when you actually know <laughs> that's the case. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'll be working on that, and I'm developing a couple of future projects and traveling to a city near you in search of the truth. Excellent. So uh, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Joe Polino, as always, our executive Pleasure, producer. Mark. Great to have you back. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks to Bill Haywatt for our fabulous Boozing with Bill segment. Yeah, we'll have you in again, uh, Bill. Um, so other than that, until next time, uh, which will be episode 33, uh, please remember, won't you, to pass the succotash? <laughs>